When you pray, you can approach Almighty God as our comforter, counselor, healer, deliverer, and friend. And when you and I find ourselves in the lion's den, we need him in all those ways. And that is exactly what Daniel discovered when he was in the lion's den. And all of us are going to pull some time in the lion's den of life. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me this morning to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6. And as you are turning there, it will also, of course, be on the screens as we get to that passage of Scripture. Allow me, if I might, to give you the background to this passage, because we're going to see in this familiar story of Daniel in the lion's den that character character empowers us to be at the heartbeat of God's activity. Character empowers us to be at the heartbeat of God's activity. The character that God is growing in us in the lion's den is preparing us to be right in the center of what God is doing. Now, it doesn't feel like that and doesn't look like it at the time. But God uses the lion's dens that we find ourselves in to equip us, prepare us for what he's got for us in life. To be in the center of what he is doing. Now the background of this passage of scripture, Daniel chapter 6, is that as best Bible scholars can tell that Daniel is in his 80s when this story takes place. His nation, the nation of Israel, has been in captivity now for decades ever since Daniel was a teenager himself. The kings that Daniel has served under, first in Babylon with the Nebuchadnezzar I and Nebuchadnezzar or Nebuchadnezzar II, and now the Persian kingdom under Darius, they are idol worshipers. Daniel very easily could have been very discouraged. You know, you're in your 80s. You've been in this place since you were about 16 years of age. You, God's used you in some marvelous ways, but the kings continue to be idols. Your nation from which you've come continues to be filled with rubble from Jerusalem being destroyed. The Jews are in captivity. And a whole lot really hasn't changed decade in and decade out. And so it would have been easier for Daniel just to have said, hey, forget this. I've given it the best I know how to give it. God's used me, but nothing really seems to change. But Daniel was not that way. Character that God had been growing and developing in him all along prepared him for what he was going to be used of God in his 80s. And let me say to our senior adults that are here with us this morning and those that are listening, whether it's through radio or on our social media platforms, it's easy to think when you get to be a certain age that God has put me on the shelf. God doesn't put anybody on the shelf. We put ourselves on the shelf. As long as you're drawing breath, God's got a will for you, God's got a place for you, and God's got a work for you. And in his 80s, Daniel was going to find that he was going to be more greatly used of God than he had ever been in his entire life. God had been preparing him for the moment that was in front of him. Now, and we open the sixth chapter of Daniel, King Darius is ruling basically the world at that time, and it's more, of course, than one man can do. So he appoints 120 providential leaders. And these leaders are spread out all over the Persian kingdom. And then over them he sets three guys who are almost like his vice regents. And these three guys will be in charge of the 120 providential leaders. Well, out of those three, Daniel was one of them. And Daniel just exudes leadership. 
In fact, as King Darius looks at him and the people around look to him and go to him, he exhibits a wisdom, insight, administrative ability that just tops everybody else. And so Daniel says, excuse me, Darius says to Daniel, Daniel, I'm going to appoint you over top of the other two co-leaders or co-regents. You're going to basically be second in the kingdom only to me. And of course, you'll be over the 120 providential leaders. So Daniel is second to the king. Now, if you ever get to the top of your game in whatever you're doing, you're going to discover something. You will not be at the top very long before people who want to be in your position begin to get jealous of the position that you're in. And they will begin to co-opt to try to get rid of you. And that is exactly what happens to Daniel here. These folks begin, the other two leaders begin to look at him. They get jealous of the power and the position that he's in. And so they begin to scheme to see how they can bump him out of his position of leadership. Now when I say bump him out, they want to bump him out and bump him off. I mean, they want him dead. So they look at everything that Daniel does to see if they can catch him in doing his job in an incompetent way. And they are just totally frustrated because everything Daniel does, he does with dedication. He has a tremendous work ethic. He's getting the job done and getting the job done well. And so they say, you know, we can't find anything that Daniel's wrong except in one area. And that is with relationship to his God. Daniel is super committed to serving the God of Israel. That's where we think we can catch him. And so they come up with this scheme. And the scheme is that they decide that they're going to appeal to King Darius's ego. Now, can you imagine appealing to a leader's ego and having success at it? Well, they decide that's what they're going to do. And so they come up with this proposal that they take to King Darius. And they say, Darius, this is our proposal. We would like for you to sign an edict that says that for 30 days... Everyone in the Persian Empire is to pray to you and you only. And if they pray to any other god, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Now this is an interesting edict because archaeologists and ancient historians have discovered that the Persian kings did not consider themselves deity. So for him to set himself up to have people pray to him for 30 days would have been very unusual. Notice that it is only a period of 30 days. Appealing probably to his ego, we also think that this may have been used as a test of loyalty. If you pray to any other god, you're not being loyal to the Persian Empire, not being loyal to Darius as your king. Therefore, you'll be thrown into a den of lions. And that's where we join the story, Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. Daniel chapter 6, beginning with verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed... He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber. Now, as we move through this story, pay attention to some of the details because there are details here for a purpose, and we will see them. He goes to his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. He sat down on his knees, or got down on his knees, three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction 
that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continually, deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him. Sleep fled from him. And then at the break of day, the king arose And went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God, send his angel. And shut the lion's mouths. And have not harmed me. Because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad. And commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no kind of harm was found on him. Because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I have made a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear Before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. Enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. And his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. And the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Now, we're going to look at this story in Acts as any drama you would see would unfold. And act number one is the act of Daniel's character. First of all, as we've seen, Daniel's character set him up for everything that happens here. 
living in good character, God honors. But yes, at times you will suffer for living with good character. And Daniel's character sets him up to go into the den of lions. Daniel's character points, first of all, the king, the people that are around him, and then eventually the entire nation to his God. When people look at Daniel and they see his character, his actions, and his attitude, it points them to God. And good character that we live with and exhibit points people to the Lord. It needs to be said of us, as it was of Daniel, that if people are going to find anything wrong with us and how we live, it's in relationship to the Lord and our walk with God. If people are going to pick on us about anything, it's going to be about our walk and our service with the Lord. Now, bad character causes us people to focus on us instead of on Jesus. But folks, if you and I are living out of good character, that character points people to the Lord and brings attention to Him. Character will never fail you. Character got Daniel to the top. Then it got him to the lion's den. Then it got it delivered from the lion's den. And got the whole kingdom to focus on God. That is the power of character. And character will never fail you. Now, act number one that sets up the story is the character of Daniel. Act number two is the setup of Daniel. Persian kings had egos. Darius had his ego. And those guys come to him and they say, Darius, we want everybody in here to worship and to pray to you for 30 days. And Darius signs the edict not even thinking about the implications that they'll carry out on Daniel. Now these guys, think about these two guys who come together to frame Daniel, get Daniel in trouble, set him up to be thrown into the lion's den. What they could have done is they could have gone to Daniel and said, Daniel, we've watched you and we've listened to you and we see the competence and the ability and the wisdom with which you lead and operate. And you really have gotten on the good side of King Darius because of how sharp you are. Can you teach us how to have the same competence? Can you show us how to administrate and lead the way you do? We've even noticed that you go and pray to your God three times a day. What is the relationship between you and your God and how you operate as a person? But they didn't do that. They got jealous of Daniel. They refused to learn anything from Daniel. All they could see as their jealousy grew is that we want to knock him off and we want to take him out. And jealousy, if it is left unchecked, will turn us into monsters. How many of us have got people in our lives that are around us that are really doing a good job and instead of admiring them, we are more tempted to begin to get jealous of them and envious of them and want to connive to try to push them out and knock them off instead of trying to figure out what we can learn from them to become better ourselves. You see, it's easier to get jealous and envious of somebody who's good at what they're doing and learn from them. It is easier to be jealous of them than to humble ourselves and say, maybe I can learn something from them. 
Maybe I can become a better person by following their example. Rather, what our sinful human nature always wants to do is look at people and just criticize and get envious and attack them and find ways to tear them down and, you know, work on their case and all that kind of stuff instead of look at them and say, you know, maybe I can learn from them. Maybe they can be an example to me. Those guys missed a tremendous opportunity to become better in leadership by looking at Daniel and learning from him. Rather, they decided to stay immature and be jealous and be envious, etc. And all of us tend to play that game if we're not capable of, if we're not careful. How many of us have got a relative that's done better in life than what we feel like we've done? And what do we want to do? Criticize them, trash them, let them have it, etc. How about a coworker? Same thing. It's so easy to fall into that instead of saying, man, I can learn from that person. And I can come better at my job at that person. I can come better at life. I'll just learn from them. Those guys missed a tremendous opportunity because they got so jealous of Daniel. So they set him up to try to knock him off and to get rid of him. Notice Daniel's response in Act 3 of this story. Daniel, here's what the edict is. You pray to any other God for the next 30 days other than Darius, and you're going to get thrown into the lion's den. So what does he do? It's fascinating the way it's told. It says that Daniel kept on doing what he had been doing. This is verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Now Daniel's facing two sets of lions. He's facing the actual lions in the den, but he's facing the lions of the people who were working against him to get rid of him. He is not intimidated by them, or by the lions, or even by his own fear. Three times a day, as he had been doing, he goes to the upper chamber of his house with the window open to Jerusalem, and he begins to pray and to seek the Lord. And notice the word there, it says that he gave thanks as he was doing that. I don't know about you, But if I was 80-some years old and I was in Daniel's shoes, I would struggle to give thanks. I would think I would have been tempted to go before the Lord and said, God, I have been faithful in serving you. I didn't ask to come to this place. I got exiled here as a 16-year-old. Every time there has been a challenge that's come up with Nebuchadnezzar I and Nebuchadnezzar II and Darius, I've been the man on the scene to interpret dreams, to be used of you. I'm in my 80s. It's time for me to retire. I ought to be getting a decent Social Security check from Babylon or at least from the Persians at this point. And I ought to be set up in one of these nice places. And now I'm being told that I even pray I'm going to get thrown into a den of lions. You know, I've served my time. I've done my thing. I'm getting really sick of this. This is getting really old. I'm really getting a little tired of you and the way you keep putting me through one test after another. And the tests keep getting worse instead of easier. And so I'm just sort of ticked off with you, Lord, and you really ought to give me a hook. Or another idea I might have had is, you know, this edict is only for 30 days. So if I don't pray for 30 days, then I go back and I'll be super dedicated to you, Lord, at the end of 30 days. But for the next 30 days, the windows are not going to be open. I'm not looking to Jerusalem, and I'm not praying three times a day. I'm just going to sit in the house, stay to myself, keep my mouth shut, be a good person, and then I'll get back to serving you after 30 days. I mean, it only lasted 
30 days. It wasn't like the rest of his life. So he could just be quiet and mind his own business for 30 days. Daniel did not complain. Daniel didn't fuss. Rather, he gave thanks to the Lord. And then he had that courage to go in there in the face of death and pray three times a day. Now, what keeps you doing that? Character. Character. Just that simple. Daniel's character said, I don't care if it's 30 days, 3 days, 3 hours, 3 minutes, or 3 seconds. I'm going to go before the Lord like I've been doing, and I'm going to seek His face. Because deep down on the inside of me, the Lord God comes first in my life. He even comes before my life and my safety. Daniel didn't whine and complain and gripe. Folks, when we whine and we complain and we gripe and we fuss, that is a lack of character. That is immaturity. That is not maturity. Maturity says, I don't care how difficult the situation, I'm going to find a way to walk through this, pray through this, and find God in this, and serve the Lord in this. Immaturity says, I'm going to whine my way through, I'm going to cry my way through, I'm going to bellyache my way through, etc., etc. You know, all of us from time to time really need to examine our prayer lives. I've had times, you know, when I've gone before the Lord and complained and fussed about stuff, and I've almost heard the Holy Spirit say to me, the angels are stopping their ears right now because they're so sick of listening to this. They're just tired of hearing you complain. You need to talk more positive and look for my work and pray for my work through this situation. Daniel did not complain. He gave thanks to the Lord. Notice the, the geography or the detail that's in the story. I was studying this and it made this point about the fact that he went up in his chamber and he opened the windows and he prayed toward Jerusalem. And I thought, well, what's the significance of doing that? Very, very interesting. When he prayed to Jerusalem, he was trusting and praying that the day was going to come that God would restore Jerusalem. That God would rebuild that city that laid in rubble. That God would bring his people back to Jerusalem. And that God would show his greatness and his might. Now, understand, Daniel is in his 80s. Jerusalem had been destroyed decades ago. And he's still praying three times a day, looking to Jerusalem with an expectation that God is going to restore Jerusalem. Now, we don't have time to go there. But if you take Daniel chapter 7 and read through and study the rest of the book of Daniel, it is one vision after another. And if you take those visions that God gives Daniel, the visions are basically about this is how God is going to restore Jerusalem. This is how God is going to bring his people back. This is how God is going to set up an eternal kingdom through his son. And so as Daniel looks and as Daniel prays, God begins to give him a vision of this is what I am going to do. Not just tomorrow, but I'm going to do this in terms of years and years and thousands of years into the future. And folks, if you and I will keep our eyes on Jesus, Jesus is going to call us and he is going to sweep us up into what he is doing. And what he is doing is not just in terms of today and tomorrow and next year. What he's doing is in terms of of years and decades to come. That was the hope that Daniel had as he prayed. The mission of Daniel's life 
was keeping his focus on God. Not focusing on the opposition, not focusing on the lions, not focusing on the fear, not focusing on himself. He was focusing on the Lord. Now catch this. When Daniel was appointed second in command, he's second to the king. He's got access to the king. It would have been very easy for Daniel to begin to focus on his success. I'm in my 80s. I have finally, finally arrived. I am second to the king. The other two guys have to listen to me. The 120 other leaders have to listen to me. Everybody in this kingdom has got to listen to me. The only person in this kingdom doesn't have to listen to me is King Darius. Whenever you and I begin to focus on success and power instead of the Lord, we are setting ourselves up to fall on our face. Whenever we focus on success and power, we are setting ourselves up to fall on our face. You see, the greatest temptation Daniel faced was not the fear of the lion's den. It was worshiping his success and power instead of worshiping the Lord. And that discipline of going before God three times a day helped Daniel to keep the mission of his life where it needed to be. And that was on the Lord God and serving him. And as he did that, Daniel's life, Daniel's story became a sign. People looked at Daniel, and when they looked at Daniel, they saw the Lord. When they looked at how Daniel lived, they saw the Lord. His life was pointing to the Lord. And that's where God wants to get us, and that's where godly character gets us, that people, when they look at our lives, are pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 16. Notice what Darius says to him when he throws him in that lion's den. May your God... Deliver you. May your God deliver you. Darius recognizes that God alone could deliver him. And Darius recognized as he threw Daniel into the lion's den. That he was potentially throwing him in to God's hands. Not into the hands of the lions. But into God's hands. Now act 4 is God's deliverance. Verses 19 through 28. He's there in that lion's den. And what goes on in the lion's den? Daniel's thrown in there. And he's in there all night. The first thing I want you to see is that when Darius speaks to him the next morning and calls out on him the next morning, verse 20, notice how he identifies Daniel. Old Daniel... Servant of the living God. If you go back to verse 16. Darius says, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. That morning when they roll back the stone and he looks back in there. He says, Daniel, has your God whom you serve delivered you? The concept of being a servant keeps coming up over and over again. And Daniel says, my God whom I serve has shut the lion's mouth. Servanthood 
being a servant of the Lord, understanding myself as His servant, and character, the growth and development of my character go hand in hand. If you and I do not understand ourselves as servants of the Lord, God cannot grow character in us. But if we understand that we are servants of His, that the primary way that I relate to Jesus is to serve Him, then God is freed up to develop character in our lives. One of the reasons that God allows us to go into dens, lion's dens of life, is to develop within us a heart attitude towards Him of being a servant. When Darius looked at Daniel, what he saw in Daniel primarily was a servant of the Lord. This is a man who serves God. This is a man who has had a reputation since he was 16 years of age and came here of being a servant of the Lord. Through Nebuchadnezzar 1, Nebuchadnezzar 2, he has served the Lord. Now with me, he serves the Lord. I trust him, I respect him because he is a servant of the Lord. He understands what it means to be a servant of the Lord. Notice that he's not saying he's a servant of me. He's saying he's a servant of the Lord. Darius recognized through Daniel's prayer life that Daniel's heartbeat was to serve God, not to serve the king. It was to serve the Lord. Now, notice what happens in the story, verse 22. He delivers, God delivers Daniel out of the lion's den. But I love this in this story. Imagine if you were in Daniel's shoes. And you get thrown into the lion's den. And you're there, and you're looking at those lions. And those lions are looking back at you. First hour passes. What I would have been tempted to do at that point is to say, Lord, we got an hour behind us. And you've delivered me in this hour. So we've had our miracle for the night. Things are great. Lions haven't done anything. It's time to get out of here. But hour number two passes, hour number three passes, and hour number four. Now, I'll tell you what I would have been listening to and listening for. I don't know if you've ever heard a lion's stomach growl. But I can guarantee you that's what Daniel may have been listening for. Am I going to hear the stomachs growl on them lions? And I would imagine when their stomachs growl, it gets pretty loud down in there. And when the stomach starts growling, it ain't going to be long before the mouth's going to start growling. So I would have been listening to see if I'm going to hear the stomachs growl. You know, hour after hour, all night, he sits in there with those lions. And, you know, maybe they were full when I came in here, but long about 3 o'clock in the morning, they're probably going to be thinking they'd like a snack, and I'm a perfect snack. And then long about 6 o'clock in the morning, it's breakfast time. We managed to get through dinner and snack time, but now breakfast is coming up. They are bound to get hungry. Why in the world is God making me wait in this den all night long? Have you ever asked God that? Why are you making me wait in this den all night long? Noah had to wait in the ark for 150 days to get some dry land to be on. Jonah was in the fish for a period of time. Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. Paul spent 
40 days in the wilderness. John the Baptist was in the wilderness praying for 40 days. Jesus hung on the cross for three hours. He was in the grave for three days. Why does God make us wait? Whether it's 40 days, three hours, three days, all night long, why does God make us wait? Because if you get in a den with some lions, God's going to make you wait in the den for a while. Why does God make us wait? Let me give you two reasons that God makes you wait in the den. Number one, He is growing your character in the den. And He's going to keep us in the den as long as it takes to grow the character that He wants to grow. Not the character that we want to grow, but the character that He wants to grow. If it takes 40 days, then it takes 40 days. If it takes 3 hours, it takes 3 hours. If it takes 3 days, it takes 3 days. Now, most of the time, however long God thinks it's going to take, it's too long for us. God, why don't you get me out of this? I've pulled my time. And God says, uh-uh, you got to keep on, because i got to grow this character. The second reason, and this is even tougher, He keeps us in the den as long as we need to stay in the den to accomplish His will and get to Himself maximum glory. He keeps us in the den as long as He does to accomplish fully His will and to get to Himself full glory. You see, when Daniel was in that den all night, and Darius opened the door the next morning. God got full glory for it. And what Darius says, verse 27, he delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. What's Darius doing? He's just standing there at the doorway. He's not bragging on Daniel. He's bragging on God. Can you get, can we get the picture? you got a pagan king standing there looking in there at Daniel, not saying, Daniel, you're such a wonderful person, and man, you must have really corralled them lions last night. He looks in there and he says, your God did this. Your God did this. Then he turns to his whole kingdom, and he says, I want my whole kingdom to give glory to God. He kept him in the lion's den all night long, God did, because at the end of of the lion's den the next morning, God made sure that he got all the glory and he got all the honor. That's, and why did Daniel cooperate with it? Simply because Daniel had the character and the heart of a servant. If God gets all the glory, then that's all that matters. Notice what he says in verse 27. Speaking of God... He says he works signs and wonders. Now, the wonders piece, we, we get that. You know, he does wonders. But what the signs? What does he mean by God works signs? When God works a sign in your life, it is a sign to other people that only God could have done that. Only God could have pulled that off. And what Darius saw that next morning was that only God could have done this. It's a sign of the presence of God. 
the activity of God, the work of God. And folks, God allows us in the den so that he can do that which only he can do, so that there is a sign to other people, God is here, God is at work, the Lord's getting glory to himself, God is accomplishing this. I want you to see, he says, he works signs and wonders in heaven. Now, we all expect God to work signs and wonders in heaven. And on earth. We expect God to work signs and wonders in heaven. But how much do we expect God to work signs and wonders on this earth? This whole chapter is a setup for Jesus. The whole chapter is a setup for Jesus. And let me explain how it's a setup. Notice in the story that what does Darius do? He throws Daniel into the lion's den. And then it says that he puts a stone over it and seals it so no one can go in. Somebody else got thrown into a den and had a stone rolled across the den and a signet put on it so no one can go in. And Jesus was in his den of lions, the den of the lion of the grave and the lion of death. And for three days the stone was rolled across the entrance to that den of death that Jesus was in. Why didn't he rise three hours later? One day later. Two days later. Why was he in there for three days? Well, for one thing, I think God wanted everybody to know he was dead. Because you got to have death before you can have a resurrection. And you got to have death to confirm that a resurrection really took place. Daniel looked back out of that den and he said, My God, shut the mouth of the lions. When Jesus walked out of the tomb after three days, he had shut the mouth of death and the mouth of the grave. And he opened everybody else's mouth in praise. I love where they Charles Wesley put it in that hymn we sing at Easter. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Songs of men and angels say. Hallelujah. Raise your joys and your trumpets high. Hallelujah. He shut the mouth of the grave and death to open our mouths to sing that he is alive and he is resurrected. And Charles Wesley penned that. He said, Christ the Lord is risen today. Now, we tend to make a mistake. We say that Christ the Lord is risen today, so we sing that on Easter, and Christ the Lord is risen today on Easter Sunday. But folks, He is risen today 365 days a year. Every day, He has risen from the dead. 
Every day he has shut the mouth of death in the grave. And every day he has opened our mouths to worship him and to praise him. He is at work in heaven and on earth. So where are you in your den of lions today? Stay focused on the Lord. Don't focus on the lions. Don't focus on what threw you in there. You see, what Daniel discovered in the lion's den, oh, don't miss this, was that in all of the Persian Empire, God was most at work, not in the palace, but in the den. And God is at work in the den. Just be looking for his work in the den and keep your focus on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as you develop in our lives character. Character, Lord, that will empower us to be at the center of what you're doing. Lord, you develop that character in Daniel's life that set him up to be in that den, to be at the center of what you were doing in the Persian Empire. Lord, that night, what you were doing was not in Darius's throne room. All that was in that throne room was worry and fear. What you were doing that night was in the den. And Lord, in the dens that we are in in life with the lions that we face, you are at work there. Remind us, Lord, that you were in a den yourself and you walked out of it victorious. You are the resurrection and the life. And Jesus, you've walked into our lives in that same glory and power. Lord, we give you praise this day. Help us to keep our focus on you as you build our character. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and those of you that are listening through any of the ways, through our social media, etc., I want to invite you right now to pray a simple prayer to the Lord if you've never prayed this. To say to him, Jesus, help me to keep my eyes focused on you. And Jesus, I give my life to you this day. I will follow you. I will be your servant. I, Lord, will serve you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and let's worship the Lord.